Happy Friday, Dog Nation. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Kroger. Fun show for us. It is Jeff Centel on the road, assisted by AAA. A little later on, we'll get into all the UGA recruiting news coming up with Jeff. We'll have some recruiting stuff off the top of today's program there as well. There's an interesting, at least I think it's interesting, hopefully you'll think it's interesting as well, a point I want to make about JT Daniels on today's show and what's at least a possibility at stake for him here this upcoming season, something that I think he could enjoy if he gets a chance to take advantage of this. We'll talk about that. There's some news around the rest of the SEC to get to, more examples every day of the world heading back to normal just in time for college football coming up later on this fall. All of that to be discussed, it is all on the way next. Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented by Kroger, begins right now. Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. I still kind of remember where I was ahead of the 2017 National Signing Day. Back then, we only had one National Signing Day. It was in February, and I remember when now former Georgia running back DeAndre Swift announced his commitment video. And to me, back there in that kind of like 2017 era, you know, 2016, 2017, that era, a few years ago, that to me seems like back when commitment videos were like a really big deal. It seems like we sometimes see less commitment videos than we used to now, although we occasionally still see some. But back then, commitment videos were a really big deal. I want to say DeAndre Swift did his with Bleacher Report, if I remember this correctly, and it was kind of like the sort of recreation of the moment from Rocky where you're running through the streets of Philadelphia after all the city of brotherly love was DeAndre Swift's hometown and it's kind of a recreation of that for his commitment video stuff like that works on me obviously I grew up loving the Rocky movies I'm too old to have seen the original in the theaters but uh, I saw Rocky Ford in the theaters so Rocky was a big deal to me when I've been to Philadelphia before going to those steps there at the Philadelphia Museum of Art is always something I like to see or going outside the old spectrum where the Rocky statue I think I think it's still there. I know it was the last time I was there. The Rocky statue, and you get your, ta- your picture taken in front of that. I've just kind of always liked that. And I thought it was really cool that starting with DeAndre Swift, and of course, including his cousin Mark Webb there in the class of 2017, Georgia had this connection to the city of Philadelphia. And that was kind of a really cool thing to see. And it was always fun to see the way that Webb and Swift were proud of their hometown. They always really liked that. And now they've moved on. DeAndre Swift in the NFL. Mark Webb just got drafted too. But the pride that that uh, Webb and Swift seem to still have in their city of Philadelphia, their school, UGA, boy, it really seems to really live on. We've heard Swift talking about that. And a couple of weeks on this show, a couple of weeks ago on this show, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger, when Mark Webb was on the show with us we had a chance to ask him about another guy that follows the same path to Georgia that Webb and Swift follow from his hometown of Philadelphia brief detour there at West Virginia now Tyke Smith coming in as a defensive back at the University of Georgia how Mark Webb felt about seeing someone travel that similar path and it was really cool to hear on the show Webb the Philly native UGA player, now ex-UGA player on his way to the NFL. The pride that he had, that the spot that he occupied on the field for Georgia these last couple of years would now be potentially occupied by someone else who calls the same hometown that he does, Philadelphia. This was really good stuff from Mark Webb on our show, talking about uh, Tyke Smith coming to UGA. I really enjoyed this, and for those of you who saw it or heard it, I'm sure you enjoyed it as well. Here's a reminder. Oh, yeah, I know Tyke very well. That's my guy. I wouldn't rather nobody else come to Georgia but him because he's a great fit. He's a great kid. You get what I'm saying? He comes in, he's, he holds himself accountable. He holds other people accountable, you know. I know he's going to be ready day one whenever he steps on the field. And he's a, he's a baller. Like, of course I had to see him. You know what I'm saying? He's one of the best players to come out of Philly defensive-wise and offensive-wise. You know what I'm saying? I feel like he's a better me. And he's going to go out there day one and make plays as soon as he gets out there. So I expect a lot from him. And I, I know he's going to have a great Georgia career. I mean, how much fun is that to hear? First of all, I, I think you just sort of like the idea that a uh, 
player like Webb would be that enthusiastic about someone from Philly, someone who, as Webb has himself have seen, he calls him a baller, says he's a very good player also. There's kind of a funny moment in that clip as well that I edited out just for for the sake of time. At one point in time, instead of saying, oh, yeah, he's my guy, he said, oh, yeah, he's my young buck. But he was afraid that I wouldn't know what that meant. So he kind of changed it to he's my guy to kind of uh, use some vernacular that he thought might make more sense to me, which I thought was kind of a really funny uh, part of that interview there as well. But good stuff from Webb all the way around. Incredibly enthusiastic about the Philly-born Tyke Smith being a part of the same Georgia secondary that Mark Webb once called home. And it becomes another one of these examples of that Philly to Athens pipeline. It's included DeAndre Swift, included Mark Webb, and now Tyke Smith. But maybe that pipeline could have even, I know pipeline's a little bit of Maybe I shouldn't use that word this week. That's a little bit of an emotionally charged word this week. Maybe that's a trigger warning for some of you uh, talking about pipelines here this week. So let me choose a different word to use instead of that. But either way, that pathway to Georgia through the city of Philadelphia, maybe that now continues even beyond this. Because I thought this was really cool on social media this week. Tyke Smith, who is only just now getting a chance to even be at Georgia. He's finished his coursework up at West Virginia, now transferring in. But you always love to see how quickly the these guys become recruiters for their school and Tyke Smith doing some of that on Twitter this week when it comes to a nigh white. Now I think of White's a linebacker, although I guess he calls himself a defensive end on his social media feed. Could probably play both. He's a little bit of a weak side hybrid, outside linebacker type guy, whatever else, but he's one of the top players in the country for the class of 2022, also hailing from that city of Philadelphia. And I loved much the same way that Mark Webb said, oh yeah, I've got a guy from my hometown who I know is a baller, who I know can play. I'm glad he has kind of followed my footsteps from Philly to Athens here at UGA. You've got Tyke Smith now saying the same thing about Anai Y before he even gets to the University of Georgia. Let me read this to you on Twitter. Uh, Mark Webb talking about Anai White. So Anai White goes on Twitter and says, hey, where's my UGA love? And listen, if I was one of these recruits, I'd be kind of cultivating some of the social media following probably as well. He says, don't forget, I'm not committed. So where's my love from these UGA fans? And Tyke Smith jumps in on this and says, hey, you know what we talked about, little bro. And he says, Philly to Athens. You got the airplane kind of taking you there. So I just I like all of this. I mean, obviously, I'd like to have an eye wide as a part of the class of 2022. That goes without saying. But even beyond that, I like the idea that Tyke Smith already feels as comfortable and at home well enough here at the University of Georgia that he's already pushing for a guy like White to join him. And yes, I know this is one of those moments where I do probably come across, you know, a little bit uh, hypocritical because obviously on a lot of shows I talk about, you know, my desire to see Georgia continue to dominate the in-state recruiting. That's something I love to see. Uh, That's something I'm very proud of, the way that Georgia has has had great success with in-state recruiting. But when you can go out there and uh, have a little pipeline to Philadelphia and have guys like Swift and Webb and now Tyke Smith proud of the fact that they left the big city, came down here to the south and looking at other guys to do the same thing. And by the way, it seems like we've had a few of these uh, fairly big names, you know, top recruits kind of coming from that Philadelphia area, that southeast Pennsylvania area. Not always an area that we think of as elite recruiting hotbed, but boy, it seems like there have been a few big-time recruits there as of late, so just kind of a fun way to start the Friday show. A guy who's just now even getting a chance to be at UGA, also looking to see folks following his footsteps. Nye White, one of the names to watch for the 2022 class. Good reminder all the way around that as we head towards the month of June, the world of recruiting is going to really, really heat up, and I can't wait to talk to our own recruiting insider, Jeff Sintel, about all of that in just a little bit. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented today by Kroger, and we're glad to have you with us no matter how you get to us today, live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Radio Noon, of course, in Athens on Athens Sports Radio 960, the ref, and as a podcast, wherever you find them, including the world-famous dognation.com. Just really glad to have you as a part of our program here today. And a big thanks to our friends at Kroger for making it all possible. You know, Kroger, getting you ready for some summer fun. I know this. In my family, we are just kind of over the moon. At least the kids in my, in my household are. But the idea that we're getting very close to them being out of school, some of their spring sports starting to wrap up, you start having an eye towards vacation, all the stuff that kind of goes along with that. Well, Kroger's also got its eye on summer there as well. Getting you covered for everything you need on all those summer essentials. 
the grills, the patio furniture, the pool supplies. My family, we had dinner last night sitting out there on the back deck. And it's just that time of year to enjoy that kind of stuff. Kroger getting you ready to do all that, pool supplies as well. Uh, all the ingredients to make all that outdoor cooking and all the stuff that you're doing, make it great. Kroger.com for more on that. Or just stop by the store that's closest to you, Kroger.com, to find out more details on your way there. Also, good to have Kroger as a part of Dog Nation Daily here today. It's Jeff Sintel coming up in just a couple of minutes. Before that, though, let's do go around the doghouse here today. And I want to go back in time here for a moment to after G-Day, after spring practice, and the thoughts that JT Daniels kind of had about where the Georgia team was at that point in the football calendar, looking ahead to the upcoming year and the obvious energy that exists to take care of some unfinished business here for the 2021 season. And I tell you to do this every now and then. I'm going to tell you to do this again right now. I want you to notice the couple of words that Daniels uses over and over again in this particular clip. He's obviously talking about winning a national championship, which is interesting enough in its own right. But listen to the repetitive words that Daniels uses. These words matter to me, and I'll tell you why. First, here's JT Daniels. There's no denying that you want to win a natty. I think we have the team to do it. It's a great team. Uh, I think we've done, and Coach Smart's done a really good job of instilling uh, a team standard and team DNA that a lot of the guys have really taken accustomed to. There's a lot of good things going for the team. There's just things we got to focus on, things we got to develop, because we, we have the team uh, you know, to do whatever we want. So let me tell you the two words that I hear over and over again when I hear that clip from JT Daniels. First of all, as a Georgia fan, I love the idea that Daniels is talking about winning a national championship. But beyond that, it is the way in which he discusses it that I find to be really interesting. He says, we, 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 and then it's team, 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 team. You know, Daniels, I mean, listen, it's possible to fake this, and I'm not certainly not saying that JT Daniels is. I'm just saying that that you could potentially fake that. But Daniels comes across to me as really authentic, as being someone who does care about team goals and does care about his place in the team as a part of, as he says, they're kind of a we environment. And he is good enough at talking about that, that you're kind of left to believe, well, he must authentically, genuinely believe this because he seems to say those kinds of things a lot. Daniels really does in a way that maybe not every, you know, kind of college version of a franchise quarterback, maybe not every quarterback would be able to buy into. Daniels really sees himself, based on all the ways in which he speaks all the time, sees himself as a part of a team, a kind of a, what do you call it, like a cog in the system, you know, more so than the Georgia football being some sort of star vehicle to propel him to even, you know, greater fame. Daniels is just really good at talking that way. That's always been really impressive to me. That clip, another example of that. However, I was thinking this week, though, that even though Daniels seems to be very content to be a team player on a good team, boy, as a quarterback, you obviously have just a chance at fame that other positions doesn't provide that the face of college football in most years is going to be a quarterback because quarterback is the single most important position probably in any team sport. I don't think really anything else probably comes close. And so with that in mind, we do have kind of an interesting landscape around us when it comes to college football here in 2021. Now, I'll tell you what caused me to think about this. There was a story the other day, Ben Kerchival writing at CBSSports.com. Now, the story itself was about Spencer Rattler, who's a very good quarterback at Oklahoma, and obviously one of those guys, if you're thinking about Daniels as a potential very high first-round draft pick or a Heisman Trophy candidate or anything like that, some of Daniels' top competition probably comes from Norman, Oklahoma, in the presence of Spencer Rattler. And so this was an article about Rattler, but there was something written in the article that I thought also kind of applied potentially to JT Daniels or any of these other top quarterbacks we kind of think of around the sport right now. So let me read you this from, from Ben Kirchhoff of CBS Sports. We'll talk about how this kind of relates to, to JT Daniels. He says, and, and remember, the original context is about Spencer Rattler, but uh, it applies all across the board. Kirchhoff writes, meanwhile, college football is looking for a new face. Kirchhoff says Trevor Lawrence, who in many ways was the sports ambassador, is gone as are Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, and others from a stacked quarterback class. So Kerchival says because all those other quarterbacks are now gone from the sport, all of a sudden there's a new opportunity for a new quarterback to step in and be this sport's, the word he uses is ambassador, or the other word that he uses is the face of the sport. Now think about this for a moment. 
I think you would say that you know this to be true. That last year, remember when we had the concerns and the doubt about whether or not the college football season would even be able to take place. And at one point in time, it looked like there was a huge push kind of coming from the Big Ten part of the world to not participate in the sport, not play this year. And for a while there, it just seemed like this was a runaway train of, oh my gosh, the season's going to be canceled right before our very eyes. And you did have a guy like Trevor Lawrence who stepped up and used his social media presence to kind of argue against that, the hashtag we want to play. And I don't think anybody would deny that Lawrence last year kind of came into the season because we'd seen him as the Clemson quarterback in 2018 and 2019. And he kind of arrived into the 2020 season with the kind of the prestige that comes from being a national championship winning quarterback and a guy we'd gotten to know over a couple of years that he kind of was that face of college football. I would say that Justin Fields was also to a degree, maybe a level below Lawrence because Lawrence had done it for two years. Fields had only done it for one, kind of a level below that, but also someone who had a similar level of gravitas within the Big Ten. Mac Jones, Zach Wilson, guys like that kind of only emerged as household names during the past season. But but Fields and Lawrence had a level of fame you know, far above that. Had there been an EA Sports college football video game for this past year, you kind of imagine that either, you know, I guess in sort of the name image likeness era, the the Lawrence face, the Fields face would have been the faces that kind of popped up on a game like that. But now they're gone. And when you look around college football, you don't see an obvious era parent, right? The way that Tua Tungo Vialoa may have been prior to Trevor Lawrence or the way that Deshaun Watson maybe one at one point would have been around college football. You don't see that obvious era parent to be, as Ben Kirchival says, the face of the sport, the ambassador of the sport, the most well-known guy in the sport. And in Daniel's case, I'm not even sure how much he really aspires to, to be that, as we just played you audio a moment ago. In talking about winning a national championship, this isn't, I'm going to do that. I'm going to be the Heisman Trophy winner. I'm going to show the world how good I am. That's not the way that he's talking. He's saying, we, 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 team, team, team. So he seems fairly comfortable kind of being a part of the ensemble cast here at UGA, but that doesn't mean he'd turn down the fame if he has a chance to get it. And obviously for Georgia, who has kind of become kind of a pipeline for quarterbacks as of late with Brock Vandegriff arriving and obviously big expectations eventually for Carson Beck getting a bigger chance to shine and Gunnar Stockton for the class of 2022. And oh yeah, there's talk about Arch Manning visiting for the class of 2023 and maybe Georgia's in the mix for that recruitment a bit. Clearly having a quarterback who's the ambassador or the face of the sport would not be a bad thing for UGA, and it is a possibility. Now, maybe it's Rattler, maybe it ends up being Bryce Young, the heir apparent to Mac Jones, Alabama, who steps up and takes that fame. But one way or another, that spot is open. The most well-known quarterback, the quarterback that even casual fans of the world of sports are aware exists in college football, that's going to be somebody here in 2021. And right now, it is not decided who it will be. And I would say that JT Daniels does obviously have a chance to become that guy that is around the doghouse before we get Jeff Sintel let me also remind you and I got some questions about this related yesterday there are still tickets available for this but obviously the time is now to act on taking advantage of it we're gonna have a great time next Friday it's May 21st they're at the Battery Atlanta and Truist Park for our Dog Nation Days of Summer event coming there obviously that night we'll all be going to the Braves game together as the Atlanta Braves get ready to take on the Pittsburgh Pirates that's going to be fun we'll all be sitting in the same section there that night in the lower level diamond corner portion of Truist Park but before that the real fun is going to be going on starting at 4 p.m there at the Terrapin Tap Room we're going to settle in we're going to enjoy some dinner from Fox Brothers Barbecue we're going to enjoy some of the Terrapin beer there, whatever beverage you know want you want to enjoy. That's going to be there going on there that night. We've got a lot of Dog Nation swag we're going to be giving away, including, I'm not supposed to say this, but I will anyway, kind of a really cool t-shirt. Uh, that, that's going to be kind of a, a fun, cool part of all of this. Also, a chance to win Brave signed baseballs, future Braves tickets, all that kind of stuff. Chance to win gift cards from the Terrapin Tap Room. We're going to do a Q&A. We're going to talk some Georgia football. We're going to hang out. This is like some of the Dog Nation days of summer events we've done in the past. We're doing it at the Battery Atlanta and Truist Park, and we're all going to the Braves game together. Tickets for all of this, just $77. That's fees included, by the way. So website to go to to get yours, braves.com slash dognation. That's braves.com slash dognation. Be a part of the big event, Dog Nation Days of Summer, coming to the Battery Atlanta, Truist Park, the Terrapin Tap Room, 
before the Braves take on the Pirates next Friday. Uh, get your tickets today, braves.com slash dognation. Cannot wait to see all of you there for that. It's going to be a great time. All right, there was some big news this week that we talked about earlier in the week about a Georgia staffer on his way to Texas A&M, and could that have some reverberations for the rest of the 2022 class? Let's find that out right now as we get ready to say hello to Jeff Sintel going on the road, assisted by AAA with him here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. Happy Friday, everybody. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. We will say hello to Jeff Sintel as we go on the road, assisted by AAA here today. And, of course, it's great to have AAA back with us on the program here today. And great to have Jeff Sintel back with us here again there as well. And, Jeff, I'll say good morning to you and jump right into the conversation here because you wrote about this at DogNation.com. Nick Williams, a guy that Georgia fans obviously know very well, a former player and a guy that's been a part of the kind of support staff for the last few years, most recently working under Trey Scott as a analyst helping out the defensive line. He has now taken a similar job at Texas A&M. And as you've written before, Williams has been instrumental in the recruitment of a lot of Georgia players and a prominent, fee, you know, uh, I guess, point of contact for some key members of the 2022 class as well. How big of a deal is this in your mind that Williams now recruits the Aggies instead of the Bulldogs? Yeah, uh, Brandon, good morning, everybody. I guess the first thing to think about here is that, um, I mean, I don't know, if you look at Nick Williams and you sum up what he's done as a recruiter for Georgia uh, over the last three or four years, I think he's probably been one of the most, he's been he's been as influential as even staff members have in um, on-field coaches, assistants in a lot of recruitments. Um, the thing with Nick is, you know, everybody knows he's from Bainbridge. Uh, connections there to Dayon Bowie, uh, the five-star athlete in the 2022 class. Uh, he played about 32 games at Georgia. He never really was a starter, mostly a contributor on special teams. And he's been back in the program for a while as a GA and then an analyst. But you saw a lot of things in his life over the last six months. Um, he welcomed a new, a new young son into his family, I believe, this week. He got engaged earlier this year. Uh, it, it seems like Nick's just made the decisions that he has to move on with his life, start making, start making the choices that will get him on the field as a coach, because I think that's eventually where he'll wind up as a very effective on-field position coach and recruiter for a big boy program. And I think, I think the fast track, the quickest way that he gets on the field was probably at a Texas A&M and not at Georgia. Um, and that's just the way to look at that there. I know a lot of people were asking and reaching out, is it, is it simply a matter of money? Why can't Georgia pay him as much to be a defensive analyst uh, uh, as Texas A&M was or, or will be paying? I just don't think it's something as simple as that. Yeah, I mean, we said this in the show that it's probably pretty good professional advice if you're looking to be a coach at the major college level to do something similar to what Williams is doing by moving from Georgia to a place like Texas A&M you're simply introducing yourself to another collection of networking contacts, right? You know, it's the Kobe, Kirby Smart coaching tree on this side. It's the, Nick, it's, the, it's the Jimbo Fisher coaching tree there on the other side, and that's just more networking opportunities that you can eventually take advantage of, and eventually that will probably lead to Williams being an on-field coach for some team in the SEC, whether it's Georgia, A&M, or whoever else. But it's also hard not to notice a recruitment that I already expected to be very contested you know, Georgia holding the pledge right now from the five-star defensive lineman Bear Alexander. And while I take Alexander seriously when he's told you that he's fully committed to UGA, I take that very seriously. I also have been around the block a couple times, and, you know, I'm led to believe this is still a very contested recruitment. And all of a sudden, one of the guys that that has been instrumental in Alexander's recruitment is now working for the other side, the bad guys, from my perspective. So specifically for a guy like Bear Alexander – the in-state pull already coming from the Aggies, Georgia fighting hard to hold on to this commitment. How much does the switch of Williams impact that in particular? Yeah, I just look at, I look at Williams, and one thing, another thing to say about the big picture there with Williams is I think this was a chance for him to prove that he was more than a Georgia guy uh, recruiting for Georgia from a position of strength with all the great facilities and everything Georgia has to offer. Now, Texas A&M is going to have all those same things, but it's going to be different, different coaches, different, like you said, I guess it gets a little bit different network. Um, cataloging a lot of, a lot of the, the kind of moving pieces uh, for, for Georgia uh, in terms of Nick Williams and how it affects it. 
I, I'm going to say this with a, a you know a, a, all the expected um, amount of consternation or hesitation. Most will say uh, anything can happen with with recruiting and you know these young men because it, everything has happened and everything will eventually happen. But I, I guess I don't have, and I've kind of felt this way for a long time. I guess I don't have the same reservations and worries that um, most of the Georgia fan base uh, and, and, and the and the people that I write for and our audience. I'm not as worried about Big, Ballot, Big Bear Alexander as others are, and I guess the people are looking for a reason to worry even more about him with Nick Williams in Texas. Uh, I think that Dayon Bowie is a link that, that's very strong there. Uh, Mikael Williams is a link that's very strong there with Nick Williams. Um, I also can't help but notice like the, some of the very best relationships that, uh, that Nick Williams formed while he was at Georgia uh, was also with some defensive back types like Lewis Seen, Keely Ringo, for example. I think what Nick Williams is going to do is it's really going to help Jimbo Fisher uh, stop, deny, prevent, stall, whatever kind of burgeoning juggernaut that Steve Sarkeesian is trying to build in Texas. I think he's going to be that effective as a recruiter. And I think the main thing, which was one of the main main reasons why we tried to draw attention to that story because everybody wondered, hey, Nick Williams, what is he, a GA? Is he just an analyst? Um, it's not only the, the, the relationships and key, uh, key figures and key recruits that he's helped reel into Athens, uh, but it's also a guy that you see another, I, I guess I would call it a, I guess I would call it a trend, but there are three major members of the Georgia recruiting machine from as early as the 20, 2019 season that are now in Texas A&M and College Station. That's Marshall Malco, the former personnel director who's now an associate AD in terms of personnel at Texas A&M. There's James Coley, of course. Everybody knows that story, chapter and verse. And now there's Nick Williams. I think it's just Texas A&M uh, trying to make up, trying to make right on that uh, chicken dinner circuit booster club uh, meeting pledge that Jimbo Fisher said when he's going to go try and take down Alabama. Yeah, I mean, here's my thing about Bear Alexander, though. And by no means am I arguing for him not coming to Georgia. That's not what I'm doing. But the reason why I treat the Alexander thing a little bit different than some recruitments is when you're talking about Akili Ringo leaving Arizona, there is no home court advantage in that recruitment because Arizona, Arizona State don't play at that level. Same thing for Darnell Washington leaving the state of Nevada. And a lot of these other national recruiting wins that Georgia has gotten, they've gotten a lot of them. They are players that come from states where pretty much everybody kind of fights from the same level ground. Whereas in the case of Bear Alexander, I mean, listen – there aren't a lot of five-star defensive linemen anywhere, and I would say that Texas probably, as many great recruits they have, that's also kind of a rarity for that state a little bit sometimes too. So there's a huge sign on his back because of the fact that you do have these you know, in-state programs trying to build themselves up and the fact that you know, geographically you do have programs that ought to have something of a home court advantage in recruitments like this. So one of the reasons why I'm always going to kind of keep an eye on the Alexander recruitment, even though I'm very glad that Georgia holds the public pledge here, is because he does hail from a state where the in-state schools ought to have a, a little bit of, a, of of an edge just simply because they are recruiting from a position of geographic strength. Yeah. So, so, so Brian, I think the thing there is you'd agree with me that maybe – Maybe it's not quite the same thing as uh, a, a player in Louisiana, though, with, in terms of Texas, or maybe even a player uh, in different uh, or player from Alabama. I just look at Bears, you know, and, and this will be a contested recruitment because he's so highly regarded. But you know, for me, I think I look at the main thing, and I think the main thing is like over the last. I think I'm going to pull this out of my memory banks, but I think over the last. Five years, I think the state of Texas schools have produced one first-round pick. Yeah, uh, and, and and that that's just atrocious, Brandon. Any way you want to look at it, I mean, uh, you go back, and I mean, yeah, I mean, I think it's two counting Miles Garrett, but I mean, the state of Texas schools, um, going back to 2016, I think the number is two or three first round draft picks, and that's Texas and Texas A and M. There's not a lot of development. There's not a lot of big wins going on. There's not a lot of you know those high profile draft day photo ops or whatever. Uh, and, and Bears recruitment, while it's, I think Georgia will still have to recruit Alexander like he is an uncommitted recruit. Well, that's nothing new. Georgia has to do that with a lot of five stars that they have. Um, I think, I think Bears recruitment on the degree of difficulty scale is not going to be as hard as other ones that still 
that are still very much contested, like a, like a Mikel Williams, like a Travis Shaw, like a Walter Nolan, uh, like a Kojo Antwi. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think those, uh, uncommitted guys, I think the climb and I think just the type of, you better hike your britches up and put your weight belt on and roll your sleeves up. I think those recruitments, I think, are going to be a lot harder uh, to manage than uh, the one from Big Bear Alexander. This is, you know, kind of in the weeds. I, I want to move on and talk about something different. But you mentioned Antwee, who's obviously kind of got a pull to Texas A&M there as well. Any chance that Williams kind of tries to develop a relationship with him a little bit, knowing that, you know, Kojo's obviously getting a pull from Georgia there too. The switch just happens. Is there a chance that Nick Williams becomes a factor in the Kojo Antwee recruitment at all? I, I, I guess I, I don't, I'd say we're in the weeds, but I mean, like, I, I think the way that most people should look at this is, hey, does, does losing Nick Williams hurt Georgia's overall RPMs on their recruiting machine? Yes, I think so. Does it does it make uh, add some more horsepower to Texas A and M? Yes, I think so. But I think I think the young men do realize that he is just part of the part of the lore and part of the show and part of the attraction to a certain school. That great relationship. By and large, most of these young men realize that uh, coaches, especially a GA analyst type level, uh, those guys are fast tracking their way up up the career ladder. So they're not basing their decisions a lot on a uh, on a lot on hey this guy's there and he's a really good relationship and he's like the silver bullet um, in a lot of in a lot of the final final recruiting matrix equations for signing a kid. Uh, the other thing is I, I think Kojo Antwi and Texas A and M. I think those relationships. Uh, if uh, Kojo Antwi does end up at Texas A and M, I don't think I don't think Nick Williams is going to have a lot to do with that. I just think what he's already got in place over the last uh, four to six months is going to is going to be I guess the deal breaker, the deal maker in terms of that. We saw some Georgia recruiting targets honor with some high school awards this week. One of them's already a Georgia signee and on campus. Brock Vandegrift, the Georgia Gatorade Player of the Year, Jalen Walker, who as you've made us aware, just finished up his high school season in North Carolina, also honored with the same award there in the Tar Heel State. Kind of nice to see some of these uh, Georgia recruiting targets, or in one case, signee, getting a chance to be honored for their high school season. That's always a good thing, isn't it, Jeff? Always a good thing, Brandon. And a, a little bit of what, what we kind of dripped on the forum uh, this morning, I believe, early morning, is that uh, I don't know if Brock Vandegrift's done yet. I think he is going to be a strong contender for the National Gatorade Player of the Year award. Um, considering he's the five-star golden boy quarterback who, who won a state title in his senior year and has that 4.0 GPA. Uh, even though if you see some of those prom photos that are showing up for a lot of the Georgia guys right now, he's looking a little, little, little like Hank Jr., a little, a little bit like Merle Haggard, maybe a little bit like Chris Stapleton for all the, the young voices out there. But, uh, I think Brock's got an ideal resume to maybe win the national honor. And I think part of it's helped by, a contemporary like Caleb Williams not even having uh, yeah. a high school senior season, and that's another high-profile quarterback. So Caleb wasn't even eligible for any of these awards because uh, he didn't have a season at Gonzaga in uh, D.C. He's already at Oklahoma and looked pretty good in the spring game. But I, I don't think that's I don't think that's it for uh, maybe Brock Vanegrift has a little bit more Brock Vanegrift has a little bit more meat on the bone. And you know, one of the stories I still got so many stories to tell about Brock. Uh, sometime during the dog days of summer, Brandon. But uh, one thing I thought, I don't know if you saw it or not yet, but um, how odd is it that uh, Greg Vandegrift, his father, uh, sold Cokes and, and popcorn at Neyland Stadium, and his first game was the 1980 Herschel Walker wow. uh, Tennessee-Georgia Tennessee game. Now, Brandon, I'll tell you, I, I, the many times I've gotten the chance to drift on over to Prince Avenue Christian over the last year and a half, two years, uh, Greg actually has a copy of that. He shared it. He showed it to me, man. And I tell you, put that thing in your hands, man. That, I don't. I don't want to say that feels like something uh, metaphysical or anything else like that. But that was kind of neat. You, you sit there, and when I had the program in my hands, I thought, okay, this is the big stiff really back thir- thirteen program because you flip to the flip card in the middle with the rosters, and there it is: Herschel Walker, uh, Johnson County, Wrightsville, Georgia. Listed as the third team back there for Georgia on that game day program, and man, that was a pretty cool thing to get to see. That is a very honestly, if uh, Coach Grandergriff is listening right now, hit us up. We might want to talk about getting that piece of memorabilia from you right there. That sounds like a uh, that sounds like a pretty good uh, collection a piece to add to. Uh, to uh, those of us who enjoy the UJ memorabilia and things like that, and also if we weren't in the weeds before, Jeff, we definitely are now because the laundry list of 
quarterbacks who have family that grew up cheering for Tennessee that ended up playing somewhere else. That's about as long as my arm right now. Tennessee fans can tell you all of them, whether it's you know former quarterbacks or you know current quarterbacks in college or you know uh, com- you know recruits in the 2022 class. It seems like there's kind of an epidemic of families who grew up cheering for Tennessee who have sons who are big time quarterbacks, and those quarterbacks end up going somewhere else. Yeah. That's a very long list. You want to talk about that's that that's that um, rough on both sides of the water, I guess, on your favorite golf hole or whatever, man. Yeah. You're going to find a lot of balls in the weeds there. Starting with Trevor Lawrence, yeah. uh, you got uh, you got the Arch Manning recruitment. He's going yeah. to start visiting visiting everywhere in the class of 2023. And I tell you what, Brandon, here's another side road. I was thinking about this the other day. I tell you what, any 2023 quarterback that wants to come on and sign on and play ball at the University of Georgia. I mean, that guy, that guy pretty much has a Georgia nightlight in his room and he has a Georgia light switch plate as he shuts his life light off every night. And he basically goes to bear, goes out to, to take the trash out in a pair of Georgia Crocs because if you're a 2023 quarterback and you want to play for the University of Georgia and sign in that cycle with that quarterback room, I mean, you really, you really just want to be a bulldog. So obviously there was some reporting this week that Manning may visit and I promise we'll move off and talk about something else in a minute, but. So there was some reporting that Manning's going to take an unofficial visit. I think it's a multi-day unofficial visit, if I if I remember reading correctly. Do you take Georgia seriously in this recruitment? Because I think right now it seems like the Arch Manning stuff is kind of just really getting started. I mean, there are some ties between Smart and the Manning family. You know, whether you start talking about you know Eli Payton, all the whole deal here, there is some ties with Smart and the Manning family. Obviously, it's going to be a who's who of big-time programs here in the South that I think Arch is mostly considering. I mean, how seriously do you take Georgia in that Arch Manning recruitment? I, I don't know if I'm going to take Georgia seriously in that recruitment at all right now, but I think what it, what it is is he's going to go see a lot of, see a lot of places, Brandon, and he hasn't, he hasn't been anywhere. Like, there's so many of these 2023 kids that have never looked at a college coach eye-to-eye and, and never even been on a campus before. I think what the Georgia visit will serve is he will see the um, he will see what Georgia's all about. He will he will see the first class treatment that he'll get, and I think he'll use that as a barometer to know what he really what what he should really be looking for and what stand out and what is unique and what is significant. I tell you the low key team to watch right there, Brandon, because um, everybody says he plays so much like his grandfather Archie and not his famous Super Bowl uncles. Is I think Ole Miss is a team to yeah. watch right there with, with Arch Manning. I know everybody's going to think LSU is going to get him because uh, of the ties to that state, but uh, I would watch a school like that, a, a low-key school kind of like a like an Ole Miss because, I mean, Arch is a guy that uh, this young man right here is, I think he's the, he's, he's the number one quarterback for the 2023 cycle, but he's a guy that's going to run around a lot more. It's kind of going to look a lot more like a, a cross between a Johnny Manziel and a and an Eli Manning than, than maybe purely, strictly the Manning bloodline of quarterbacks over the last 20, 25 years. Well, fun to think about that. We'll look forward to following that recruitment wherever he lands in the good days to come. It's On the Road, assisted by AAA with Jeff Sintel here today. As I said before, it is great to have AAA as a part of what we're doing with Jeff Sintel here on Dog Nation Daily each and every Friday. You already, already think about AAA when it comes to the legendary roadside assistance, and I want you to also think about them when it comes to auto insurance there as well. You can switch AAA and save big when it comes to auto insurance website to go to to find out more about this aaa.com slash auto insurance that's aaa.com slash auto insurance switch and save today and of course as i said before great to have aaa back on the road with jeff Sintel each and every friday good piece from you at dognation.com last few days when it comes to malachi starks very impressive Georgia commit. I think one of the most impressive Georgia commits thus far for the class of 2022, both on and off the field. But some of the on-field measurements for Starks lately have been really pretty spectacular. Jeff, this is a guy who's really earning, justifiably so, a lot of attention ahead of his senior season here. Uh, kind of impressive stuff from some uh, some of the recent workouts from Starks. Are there not? Very impressive, man. There was a reason why he was number one on the top targets list until he chose Georgia on March 25th. I mean, Brandon, we all knew he was good. We all knew he was a five-star player, but he has quickly shifted gears, and I think I like that metaphor or that term phrasing there, shifted gears. I mean, Brandon, he's approaching. I'm going to say this, and everybody, don't spit your coffee out or don't go put on a your, your Georgia ball cap and run out and run, run around the house as I, I say this, but 
Uh, he's approaching Champ Bailey type athlete territory right now uh, as a as a five star recruit in the class of 2022. I think Brennan he's knocking on the door at 210 pounds, but what he did this spring really just over the last few weeks, um, reha- still rehabbing from that hand injury. Brennan he flies 24 feet nine inches in the long jump. That's the third best long jump in the country uh, this spring, and it's the best one by a non senior. Uh, kind of a guy you know, that's going to go be a long jumper for a SEC school or a, a powerful college team like an Oregon. That's a that's a non-track guy who has the had number one long jump in the country among un- underclassmen, and he's third in the nation. And let me put this in the right perspective to make people think you know where I'm coming from with the Champ Bailey stuff. Is Champ Bailey held the Georgia record in the long jump at 25 feet 11 inches? And that sucker stood for like 25 years until Matthew Bowling came along uh, just this spring and started jumping 27, 26 feet. Uh, so you've got Malachi, Brennan Wright knocking on the door at 210 pounds, not only doing that, but and he, Brennan, he soared a, a full foot over uh, what was previously his, his personal record. But then you match that with a 10-5-5 in the 100. Let me put this into explanation. I don't think McCole, McCole Hardman, McCole Hardman ran faster than 10-7 when he was in high school as a senior. And you've got Malachi Starks at 6'2 and a half, maybe 210 pounds, uh, running a 10-5-5 as a junior, coming off injury, and also long jumping the way he is. I don't know if, I don't know if Georgia fans can get or should be any more excited, uh, can get any more excited than they need to be. Uh, about Malachi Starks. Let me squeeze in one final question before I let you go. I started the show today by talking about kind of a cool tweet from Tyke Smith, encouraging an eye white, very impressive, call him outside linebacker, defensive end, whatever you want to call him, big-time prospect for the class of 2022, also hailing from Philadelphia, a city that's been pretty good to Georgia as of late. Jeff, I love the idea that Tyke Smith is not really even, uh, you know, only just now available to even show up at UGA. He's only just recently finished his coursework at West Virginia, but he's already recruiting in his hometown for the Dogs. I got to tell you, Jeff, a lot of Georgia fans really like that. So uh, I think there's something there, Brandon. I think eventually it's going to come down to maybe Georgia or Alabama for okay. an I like. Uh, really great, really great young man. And I, 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 it's working because Tyke Smith is around his high school program a lot, especially since he's virtual or no longer, uh, you know, in, in school every day at West Virginia. But uh, he's around that Imatep Charter program in Philadelphia a lot and still has close ties to basically the entire team is like a big brother aspect. And then you, you sprinkle in the, the, the reputation of the University of Georgia and the city of Philadelphia right now anyway with Mark Webb, Akil Crumpton, and DeAndre Swift, of course. A lot of things are intersecting, but here's the thing about Smith that's interesting. Uh, Smith won't play with Anai White this year because Anai White's still a high school senior. Right. And if he if he does what he, he needs to and plays up to his ability, I don't know if you saw this, Brandon, but Pro Football Focus had Smith as the number one returning safety in college football uh, for the 2021 season. That was even ahead of the fabulous Kyle Hamilton at, at Notre Dame. Georgia boy done good up there in South Bend, but uh, he's recruiting from a position that works, and he might not even ever play with uh, his contemporary or his younger brother type there uh, coming out of the same MTF charter program. And yet and yet, it seems like there's really something there with the University of Georgia. I think he's going to take his official visit, I want to say, the second or third week in June. Man, there's so many of these to, these to keep track of. I mean, literally, Brandon, if we wanted to have an ideal sponsorship, we could put a, a board up on dognation.com and, and have the, the official and unofficial visits that are happening in the month of June. And it would pro- kind of look like triplicate of one of the boards at Hartsfield in one of the days. Cause I mean, they're going to be, they're going to be dudes coming in and out and in and out all month long in the month of June. So simple question, very short answer is fine here. You mentioned a lot of official visits coming in June, maybe even an eye white there as well. Obviously these recruits are incredibly excited about visiting again. And you may imagine they would be. But if Georgia had its druthers, as my family would have said when I was growing up, they would prefer these official visits not come in June, right? They'd rather a guy like White visit more in that winter portion of the year, kind of closing the deal with a big visit, right? This is not Georgia's preference to have an official visit taking place in June. Am I correct in saying that? Yeah, I think what they're doing is if uh, – and really, really, Brandon, it's just a chance to get to know each other again because everybody else would try to take the ability to do so, so – 
everybody's just jumping in the deep end, so to speak, with what they're trying to do here. Uh, it's so funny, Brandon. Now, after all these years of covering recruits where official visits don't matter and people want to space them out and people want to do them in the fall for big ball games. Now, that's all chunked to the side now because, you know, I mean, the, the amount of kids that are having four in a month, five in a month, midweek, unof- midweek official visits, throwing in four officials and one unofficial in the month of June, uh, it's really staggering the amount of kids that are trying to do this. And really what you see here is a great, a great thinking man's recruiting school like a Georgia. If they know a kid's going to take that visit, take that decision all the way out to February, then they're going to, they're going to basically say they're going to parry, duck dodge and parry that official until the fall or until November, until December, because they want that good last taste before the race really starts going. Um, with a lot of these guys, but uh, other kids that are ready to get it over with and get it done, that's why so many people are coming in in June because you got to strike while the iron's hot yeah. with a lot of these guys. Very well said, Jeff. I know you got some good stuff coming up at dognation.com over the weekend, the next few days. I'll look forward to reading that. Of course, thank you so much for being with us here on the road, assisted by AAA here today. We will enjoy the chance to chat with you again soon. Hey, Brandon, everybody have a good weekend. Take it easy, buddy. You too. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. I want to react to some of what Jeff had to say. First, let me tell you about my friends with the Finnish Long Drink. You've heard me talk about it before. The Long Drink comes from Finland. It was initially started, I'm going to sound like I know more about history than I do, but it was initially started like the 1950s or so, back when the summer games were in Helsinki, and it's been very popular over there for a while. It's a beverage that comes ready to drink right out of the can. So you're talking about you get that great, if you're drinking the original, it comes in the blue can, you get the citrus flavor, the kind of the gin kick that goes with that. You get it just, it's already mixed, it's already ready to drink. Just, you know, open the can, drink it, it already tastes good. Coming from Finland, been in the United States now for a couple of years, and now it's available in Georgia. And as I've told you before, there's nothing more than I love than introducing this product to someone who's never tried it before because they have enough varieties that there's really something for everybody, whether you want the original that's kind of in that sort of you know traditional vein, obviously organic product there as well, or you want the Long Drink Zero, which is no sugar, no carbs, that's really cool. The finished Long Drink Strong, which is 8.5% alcohol by volume that comes in the black can, that's got a great, great liquor kick to go along with the tremendous flavor there. And you got the cranberry. I know that's a really big in UGA right now. A lot of the bars on the Athens scene, they love that long drink cranberry. So the finished long drink, a lot of different uh, varieties, won a ton of awards. This is really good stuff. I talked a few minutes ago on the show about just the excitement that we have about kind of getting it going with the summer. I can promise you this, the finished long drink pairs well with whatever you're doing here this summer. So your question may be, well, where can I find it? Let me give you a website to go to. You get a lot more information there. It's thelongdrink.com. That's the website. Very simple. Thelongdrink.com. Go there. Find out where it's available near you. Enjoy some. The finished long drink here this summer is going to be a lot of fun. All right, a couple of things from Jeff Sintel. And, yes, he does cite the pro football focus numbers related to Tyke Smith. We've had some fun with this in the show as of late about how much we really take these numbers seriously because, on the one hand, hey, Tyke Smith, touting him for a big year. We like that. There was a thing the other day about touting – Jamari Salyer for a big year. We kind of like that too. But on the other hand, one of their guys had Florida quarterback Emory Jones as a top 10 pick. All of a sudden, you start to wonder, wait, is the same logic that led them to believe that Jones is that good of a quarterback? The same logic they're using to tout Smith and Salyer? Obviously, we like a couple of those opinions better than some others when it comes to that. And really interesting stuff there from Jeff at the end on the way this parade of visits is about to go down. It's going to be just an onslaught of recruiting news maybe not always commitments necessarily because some of these guys are still going to be deliberate with their process but boy a lot of recruiting news a lot of movement the same way the absence of visits probably impacted last year's signings who ultimately went well went where i think the presence of these visits this year is also going to alter that georgia who's always been very good at that face-to-face contact that ability to forge a relationship in those in-person get-togethers boy uh, georgia getting a chance to do that again uh you gotta think from a georgia's perspective that's gonna be a very good thing a couple of sec through stories i want to get to right now it is fairly obvious what the dominant theme of this offseason is now going to be you got a chance to listen to the full show yesterday you heard me talking about the fact that what we heard last year the dominant theme around the sec was florida 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 how good the gator is going to be this is their year blah 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 
Now, on the one hand, that prediction kind of turned out true and that Florida did win the SEC East. On the other hand, though, this is still a Gators team that lost four games. So you can decide for yourself if all the preseason hype that Florida got a year ago was justified or not. I guess, you know, your mileage may vary on that. However, this year, it's fairly obvious that the new version of whatever it was with Florida a year ago is Jimbo Fisher and A&M trying to take down Alabama. All of this starts relatively innocently, I would say, because I don't put a lot of stock in what coaches say in booster club meetings, especially back when I was a kid in the 80s and 90s. This stuff happened behind closed doors. There was very little media coverage of it. You could say whatever you wanted to, and you, for the most part, kind of get away with it. Well, now there's no such thing as a local story anymore. Anything that anybody says has the potential of going viral very, very quickly, including Fisher a couple of weeks ago saying that he wanted to beat Nick Saban's fill-in-the-blank there, his behind, while Saban, while Alabama was still coached by Nick Saban, not waiting until he's done. Since then, Fisher has continued these tours throughout the state of Texas, local radio interviews, things like that. And he has not really backed down from that claim. Obviously, he's now in a position where he kind of can't. But doing another interview, even recently, where he's kind of sort of doubled down on this again. Now, it's not volatile language necessarily, but he's not apologizing. And why should he? He's not apologizing for his belief that, yeah, we think we can take down Alabama. We think this year may be year we do it. Obviously, he's been recruiting for that very thing here on, you know, over the course of the the last couple of years and so you head towards sec media days and all that kind of stuff the talk of jimbo and the aggies is that kind of top 10 team below alabama trying to do what auburn did in 2017 what lsu did in 2019 which is topple the crimson tide that is clearly going to be a big topic of conversation let me tell you one more thing about this this is exactly the way that kirby smart likes it smart does not cultivate this kind of attention he doesn't give you the big talk. If he's asked about Nick Saban, Alabama, he'll pivot away from that very quickly. If he's asked about Dan Mullen in Florida, which he has been in the past, he also pivots away from that really quickly. This is a strategy that that Fisher seems to want to try to employ to his advantage. Kirby Smart, though, would choose to go about his different his business in a very different manner. He does not want to talk in such a way that gives any of us quotes to run with, quotes to use. Those of us who like hot takes and all that kind of stuff, Smart does not feed that beast. Jimbo Fisher has chosen to, and the attention about who is the big threat to Alabama in this offseason, as Smart has said before, content to let his team do their talking with their helmets, while Jimbo Fisher gets the attention here during the offseason. Just keep your mind on that. A couple of other things very quickly. A lot of the news here this summer, whether it be some of the kind of the outside news, CDC yesterday, everything else, it's all going to be about the discussion of getting the college football world back to normal for the fall full stadiums the energy around the stadium the tailgating and everything else that kind of goes along with that latest example of that i love this news because i love this game the egg bowl after a year in which it was not played on thanksgiving now you really couldn't do a lot of the thanksgiving type stuff last year because you had to have that space available for covid testing and everything else but there is now news out there that the Egg Bowl is returning to Thanksgiving night. I think the Egg Bowl is arguably my favorite rival in the SEC, not counting, of course, anything for Georgia, because of how much these two schools hate each other. It's not prestigious like the Iron Bowl or what Michigan, Ohio State is or anything along those lines. It's just nasty and mean and uh, intensity on both sides. The administration of the schools getting involved in this plenty of times. This is good stuff all the way around. Glad to have that back on Thanksgiving night. Another example that the world of uh, college football is getting back to normal. And then finally, there's this. The Pac-12 has announced a new commissioner, and it's someone that is not familiar to most of the folks around college athletics. His name is George Klyakov. He is an executive most recently with one of the, I think it's MGM, one of the gambling you know, casino outfits there in Nevada. Obviously, there have been very close ties between the city of Las Vegas and the Pac-12 now for a while. You know, the conference title game, the, conference, the men's basketball tournament's been played there. A lot of sporting events, even though there's no team from Nevada in the Pac-12, there's been a lot of Pac-12 events taking place in Las Vegas. So the next step of hiring someone from Las Vegas to lead the Pac-12, I guess there's at least some clues that something like this could have been in the works because of how closely tied the league has been with this particular city. Now, I realize that there are not a lot of SEC fans who care about this one way or another, and I sort of understand why you don't, but I will kind of make one quick pitch here i do believe that the pac-12 being as bad as it is is ultimately actually not that good for the sec that the sport does benefit when 
the entire country does pay attention. And there's been so much poor leadership in the Pac-12. You know, frankly, overvaluing the the worth of the Olympic sports and some of the stuff related to that at the expense of treating football as seriously as it should be treated. Not to say the other sports don't matter, just football matters more. And the Pac-12 has seemingly had its priorities out of whack for such a long time, had such poor, inept leadership, so easily swayed by whatever the prevailing mood of the day might be on any number of topics, that ultimately that weakness west of the, let's say the Colorado River, you're talking about you know way out west here, that weakness for the sport, ultimately threatened the sport so if you bring in a business-minded guy outsider to the league who's going to reprioritize what truly matters for the Pac-12 even though Georgia fans don't like the Pac-12 SEC fans don't like the Pac-12 the Pac-12 being a little bit better I do in a roundabout way think actually benefits UGA benefits the SEC over the long haul it makes the worth of the college football playoff just slightly more viable especially as we enter into kind of an expanded playoff world that could be on the horizon sooner rather than later. Now, it remains to be seen that this dude from MGM is going to be able to do that, but probably as good a chance him doing that as anybody else. One more quick thing before we let you go. Don't forget, my friends, secondchance.law can take good care of you when it comes to your criminal history. And many times you have these issues on your criminal record that prevent you from getting the job you want, or in some cases getting to live the place you'd like to live, and that can be really frustrating. Well, the good news is there are some Georgia laws now that give you a chance in some cases to restrict some of this off your criminal history. Confusing, like a lot of things with the law. This is confusing there as well. But at secondchance.law, they have a a, a, a online quiz you can take by answering the questions you can determine your eligibility for something like this so our folks there are making it very very easy to understand also good dog people one of the partners is a double dog two-time uga graduate former red code longtime listener of dog nation daily and i love inviting you to support those who've supported us and who are proud of their connection to uga that is certainly true for secondchance.law so please make sure you check them out today And as we get ready to wrap up the week here, first of all, thank you for making it a fun week for us here on Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger. I really appreciate that. Let me also say, let's go out in style here with a little Gator Hater roll call in our golden shoe winner for today. It's Chad Buchanan. Funny stuff from Chad. You know, we obviously have Eddie, the official mascot of Dog Nation, daily on our desk every single day. And Chad kind of taking the original theme of Eddie, the blind squirrel, and turning it around here on Florida, putting the gator head on the uh, on the squirrel here, saying even a, a blind squirrel can find that nut every once in a while. Obviously, a reference to the fact that Florida did kind of slip up, trip over itself, and won the SEC East a year ago. But Chad, me, and I would say most of you think that was a one-time occurrence. And Georgia writes the wrong of a year ago this October. In fact, we believe Georgia does that 169 days from now. That is our Gator Hater Countdown. Y'all have a great weekend. We'll see you tomorrow. Dog, or I should say Monday, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. Talk to you then, everybody. And on the podcast, I'm now for the R.S. Andrews Podcast Cool Down. Of course, you can find R.S. Andrews online, rsandrews.com, for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs. They'll show up on time. They'll do the work that's promised for the price that's promised. And, of course, you want to be a part of our R.S. Andrews Podcast Cool Down. You can either hit me up on Twitter, at Dog Nation Daily, or drop a line in our comment section on the show post. We post each and every podcast on the pages of dognation.com, so you can go there. Just write a comment in the comment section, and you can be read and be a part of our podcast, Cooled In. I've got some comments I want to read here in a moment. I also want to mention one thing that I didn't have a chance to get into with Jeff Sintel, but I hope you'll check out from Jeff coming up in the days to come here at dognation.com. Interesting look at Denial and Morissette, recent Georgia wide receiver commit, who's actually changing high schools now. Morissette, who had big numbers for Brookwood a year ago is now at North Cobb there Shane Queen's program up there in the uh kind of what Ackworth area Kennesaw area I guess it's more Kennesaw right that's more more Kennesaw for a North Cobb good program and that's where Morissette's going to be here this year and the I guess the early buzz on Denialand is looking pretty good getting settled in there and it's going to be kind of fun obviously wide receiver is a position of need for Georgia for the class of 2022 and in this case, some of the guys we'll be watching closely, including a UGA commit here, will actually be playing in our state, so that's going to be really fun. Very, very excited about the upcoming college high school football season. I think that's going to be really, really fun to see. Really looking forward uh, to that. Morissette now there at North Cobb. Pretty good program up there in the Cobb County area. 
Jeff's got a good thing with him coming up. I hope you'll check that out. We, I want to talk to Jeff about that on the air today. We just simply ran out of time, as we sometimes do, a lot of recruiting information to cover. We also started the show today by talking about Tyke Smith, something we also did on an earlier episode of Dog Nation Daily here this week. And uh, UGA66 in our comment section there, dognation.com, really, really excited about Tyke Smith for the upcoming year, saying that Tyke Smith is that good in terms of the praise that he's gotten from Pro Football Focus and some of the other outlets. He's one of the best DBs UGA has seen in some time. Way to go, Kirby, UGA66 says. UGA is looking good, and he's got good in all caps for 2021, loaded with talent, go dogs. And obviously when you think about that role, Sometimes you think about that if he's going to play the nickel back, the star position. Sometimes you think of that as one of the lesser positions in the Georgia secondary because it's the cornerbacks on the outside who are covering the big-name receivers for the other teams. However, we have seen receivers in that inside slot position put up big numbers in the SEC in recent years. It's one of the ways in which college football has changed and that there is more just explosive play potential coming from those receivers over the middle than, than used to exist. And the other thing that comes to mind here is the potential that the star could have for Georgia in terms of its overall value. Remember, you want to go back to 2016 here for a moment when Marie Smith arrived as a transfer from Alabama. He stepped in and became Georgia's defensive MVP that season. That was a guy that I think Georgia probably leaned on in 2016 as much as it leaned on anybody. Now, of course, the overall story there was that wasn't a Georgia defense as deep and talented as certainly this one is expected to be in 2021 or the ones that Smart has coached in recent years. But the performance of Marie Smith back in 2016 still gives you an indication for how valuable a star can be, a nickelback can be, when you've got someone playing at that level. And, of course, if need were to arise because of injury or whatever else, then obviously Tyke Smith's got some value to you at the safety position there as well. And, of course, after all that, you're left to say, well, maybe Georgia's not quite done yet with its transfer market. As I've said before, still keep your eye on guys like Darian Kendrick a little bit. I don't think Tyreek Johnson's a name that Georgia would necessarily consider, but every one of these big-name guys kind of pops up in that transfer portal knowing that Georgia's still got scholarships to play with and still a need there at the defensive secondary position, especially at cornerback. You're kind of left to wonder if Smith's not the last addition to that position group for Georgia here this offseason. Either way, we'll look forward to talking about that when all of that news unfolds. Thank you for being here on our R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down. Appreciate you making the podcast fun for me to do each and every day. Check out R.S. Andrews online. It's hot right now. We're heading towards the summer. That means you want your air conditioning tuned up and ready to go. Back to factory fresh specs. That's what R.S. Andrews can do for you. So find them online today at rsandrews.com. Hope all of you enjoy a great weekend. I'll see you back here again on Monday for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. I look forward to talking to you then, everybody.